Amen. God is good. Wow, that was pretty weak. <laughs> God is good. All right, now we're, we're doing it. Now we're doing it. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to be here this morning. Pastor Ryan's down at a conference in, uh, in Texas, a couple conferences actually, and so I get the privilege of uh, sharing the Word of God with you. Did you know that they say one out of every three people are ex- is extremely good-looking? One out of three. So I want you to turn to your right and look at that person. And then I want you to learn, turn to the left and look at that person. It, if it is not them, you should feel pretty good about yourself. <laughs> now you might ask, what does that have to do with the sermon? I'll tell you, absolutely nothing. I just wanted you to feel good about yourself. Right? We come to God's house, we should enjoy the Lord, we should feel good about ourselves, and so we're glad that you're here. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of the wisdom uh, books uh, that, uh, by, by definition then, if it's a wisdom book, we should find wisdom. Not wisdom as the world gives, but wisdom from God. And so my thesis this morning, my, my idea, my point, is that uh, wisdom helps us to live better. Wisdom helps us to live better. And I trust that you want to live better. I, I trust that you want all that God has for you in your life. And so... He, he talks in the first, this is actually a transition chap, chapter. Verses, our chapters 1 to 6, are basically uh, Solomon telling us that all is vanity. That uh, living according to our desires and what we want will find is empty in vanity. But when we come to chapter 7, it changes. And he begins, if you noticed, even in our passage, chapter 7, verses uh, 1 to 10, the word better is used seven times in that short section of 10 verses. So he's telling us that there's a way for us to live better. And he uses the word wisdom. We're going to find that wisdom is used maybe 35 times or so from here to the end of the book. So we no doubt need God's wisdom. So it's basically giving us the picture that in the first six chapters, he's giving us the uh, the, uh, the, the, the sickness, I guess. He's giving us... Uh, the disease. He's giving us the diagnosis. And he goes through a variety of things that says that life is vanity. But when we come, and and imagine that uh, with all the uh, discoveries that they've made, imagine that science only discovered what's wrong. The diagnosis really wouldn't help us much. But with all the discoveries that they've made on how to determine what's wrong, it's amazing what they can discover. You go in for an MRI, it can look into your body and find out things that are wrong. 
But just finding out what's wrong does not really help us. What we need is not only the diagnosis, but we need the cure. We need the therapeutics. What do we take to help us in this illness? And so that's what we find in chapters 7 to 12. Wisdom is the ability to look further. It's the ability to see what God is doing, to see what's coming, to see what's further. And so this wisdom leads us to live better. So I got four points for you, and then we can be done. Number one, it's the, you have no points up on the, on the screen, because I want you to listen to me. And also, I didn't send them to them. So. I think I need to learn what I'm supposed to do when I'm preaching to send them notes and all that stuff. So uh, you're just going to have to listen. So number one, it is better, it is better to have a good name. It is better to have a good name. Let's read the passage. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind. And the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise, see here's wisdom, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Let's read the next two verses. I don't think he has it on the screen, but if you have your Bible, because it shows us the emphasis of wisdom. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. 
So, Lord, as we open your word this morning, Holy Spirit, be our teacher, be our guide. Open our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes, that we might behold wonderful things from your word. Help us not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers. Help us to get your truth so that we could live better. Then it'll go well for us, and it'll also bring glory to your name. So help us. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that in the Bible, there are approximately 100 detailed biographies? where they go deeper into a person's life and tell us about that person. One hundred of them. But did you know that out of those hundred detailed biographies, only 30 of them end well? So only 30% of the testimonies, the stories in the Bible, end well. Now we all say, you know... I want to hear at the end of my life when I stand before the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant, right? You want to hear that. I hope you want to hear that. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, he's transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, you in your heart genuinely want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But out of the Bible, so many of them, 70% of them, did not end well. And I don't want that for you. So I do a lot of funerals. I sometimes would rather do a funeral than a wedding. Because a funeral, they stay dead. That's kind of morbid, isn't it? That's kind of gross. Sometimes it's true, though. You know. Uh, And so I do a lot of funerals, and one of the things I do in a funeral, there's a poem that's called The Dash. And I like to read this poem in the funeral. I'm going to read it for you. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came her date of birth, and he spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that little dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love, and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real, and always try to understand the way other people feel. Be less quick to anger, show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect 
and more often wear a smile, remember that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy's being read, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? One day you're going to be in the coffin, and they're going to be speaking about you. And what do you want them to say about you? So we never know when that day's going to come, right? We never know. It'd be nice if we had a stamp on our head, a clock going downward to zero to know how much time we have left, but we don't know that. And so isn't it best to live better? A good name is better than great riches. I went to a funeral uh, last week, and uh, the guy who did the service spoke of the guy, and he used the uh, acrostic, great. And so he took the G, he was God-centered, and and liked relationships, and all. he spelled out great. And afterwards, I told the pastor, I said, I want you to do my funeral, because I want to be great. <laughs> I want them to say good things about me at my funeral. It's almost like a resume. You know, you always put the good stuff on the resume. You never put on your resume you're lazy, and you're, you, know, you, you only put the good stuff. Well, I want the good stuff to be, I want people to see the good stuff. You know what I mean? And so, a good name is better to be desired than great riches. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. So, is, this, uh, is there an action or a thought that's going on in your mind that's going to give you a good name. So before you do things, uh, before you do anything, or even the thoughts in your mind, you need to ask yourself the question, if I do this, is this going to give me a good name? Is this going to honor the Lord? Is this something that people are going to be built up by instead of being torn down by? You know, people know we're Christians. And they watch us. Do you know they watch you even if they don't tell you? They watch you. When I went to Bible school, I lived in a trailer, a mobile home with my wife. And um, when we got there, there was no electricity. So I went to my neighbor. I hadn't met him before. And I said, hey, uh, we just moved in. They're coming to turn on the electricity tomorrow. We had a little baby. I said, can I plug in my extension cord so I could at least have a light in the, in the trailer, in the and uh, so they said yes. And then after that, for the next four years, this guy wouldn't talk to me. I thought, you know, I offered to pay him. How much electricity can a light bulb? And so I was quite puzzled that this guy wouldn't talk to me. And at the end of our four years, my wife and his wife became friends. And so they were talking in the backyard. And she got to telling him that his, his wife, that their, that their hot water heater element, it was electric, that their hot water element had gone out. And she offered my assistance. 
And so I said, okay. So I went and got a new water heating element, and, and their water heater was in their uh, bedroom. And so here I am, I, I'm in the, on the floor in the bedroom, taking out the old hot water heater and getting ready to put the new one in, and the husband comes in. And he sits down on the bed, and I'm laying on the floor. I felt a little awkward, you know, just being in their bedroom and on the floor. And the first thing he says to me in four years, the first thing he says to me is, I'm religious too, you know. How do you respond to that? I said, that's great. That's wonderful. He said, I've been watching you. I see you go to church. I see you sit on your deck and read your Bible. I see you don't swear and you don't drink and, and all those things. I'm religious too, you know. So for four years, he was watching us. And I'm glad he didn't say bad stuff. I don't want to be a Christian. I've been watching the way you live. And why would I want to be a Christian? And so a good name is better to be desired than great riches. So let me give you a couple examples. I'm just going to run through them. Things that you could do better in having a good name. Be true to your word. If you give your word, be true to your word. Number two, choose your words carefully. Oftentimes when we're not feeling good, it just spews out. Here's a good one. Bor uh, return borrowed items. You borrowed your neighbor's whatever, and you still have it. Return borrowed items. Maintain honest business practices. Reject gain that comes from someone else's loss. Don't gossip about others. You know, when you're gossiping about others, it makes you look bad. Watch your attitude around others. Did you know that it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude? Show up for work on time. Represent the Lord with honor. Did you guys ever hear of Alfred Noble or Nobel? Alfred Nobel, uh, he, he actually came up with the Nobel Peace Prize. He was a Swedish chemist, an engineer, an inventor, a businessman, a philanthropist, and uh, he made several important contributions to science. He held 355 patents in his lifetime. But his most famous invention, do you know what it was? Dynamite. Yeah. His most famous invention was dynamite. And uh, it was safer and easier means of harnessing the explosive power of nitroglycerin. It was patented in 1867, and it was soon used worldwide for mining, infrastructure, development, and ultimately for war. And Nobel, Alfred Nobel, started to feel bad about his invention of, uh, of um, dynamite, and he wanted to change his heart and his reputation, and he wanted to change his legacy. 
He's now best known for having bequeathed his fortune. He took his whole fortune to establish the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, what do you want your legacy to be? A good name is better to be desired than great riches. So here's the lesson. Strive to have a good name. Number two, verse two to four. It's better to be reflective. It's better to be reflective. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Would you rather go to Disneyland or a funeral? (laughs) You know, we all would say, I'd rather go to a Disney. But according to this passage, it's better to go to a funeral than to go to Disney. Sorrow is better than laughter. And that's kind of how I first had to read this a bunch of times. What is he saying? What is he getting at? And you start thinking about it. We have to look at our lives. We have to be reflective on our lives. And so we, we need, as the Bible says, to meditate on these things day and night. You know, 30 times in Proverbs, it tells us to enjoy the life that God has given to us. Eight times uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells us that we're to enjoy. So he's not saying don't enjoy life. What he's saying is it is better to reflect on life. When you go to a funeral, you end up sitting there and thinking, one day I'm going to be here. What is my life going to count for? when I get there? What are they going to say in my eulogy? And so it's good for us to slow down and to reflect on our life. Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses says the same thing. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Robert Browning Hamilton wrote uh, a poem And uh, it says, it goes like this, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. There's something about slowing down in times of sorrow and times of hardship that uh, cause us to reflect. As I think Aristotle said, uh, an unexamined life is not worth living. And so we should reflect. Let me ask you, do, um, do you return your shopping cart? Or do you just leave it right there? See, a good name. Reflect. What does that do? You know, I've seen these commercials. Or so when the cart is running wild in the, uh, in the parking lot and it hits the car, and then it's still running, and the guy's trying to run after it, and the, the cart that he has starts rolling, and now he's got two carts rolling. 
And so he can't get either one of them. So, do you throw stuff out the window? Do you, do you finish with your candy bar and you throw the wrapper out the window? You know, somebody's got to pick that up. And, and if you do do that, take off all the stickers on your bumper that says you're a Christian. One of my biggest problems is driving too fast. You know, I drive too fast, so I never put stinker, stickers on my car. You know. Do you give back the change that uh, they give you too much change back? Do you go back into the store, or do you say, ha, I got them? You know, right? Do you give back the A good name is better to be desired. Reflect on your life. Reflect on what you need to improve, what needs to help you get better. So the lesson is reflect on the reality of death. You are going to die. And so live a good life. Live a better life. Number three. I don't think we like this one much. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise. It's Proverbs says, The wounds of a friend can be trusted. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. You know, when somebody comes up to you after the service is over, and, you know, we all want to hear the... Oh, that was a great message. That was wonderful. Oh, that was great. Oh, you know, we get a little, a little puffed up a little bit, and we think, oh, that, thank you. Oh, you know. But when somebody comes up and says, you know, I want to talk to you about that sermon. That wasn't the greatest there, and you said this and you said that. Oh, you feel dejected. I, w- I was standing out at the door once when I was preaching, and a little kid came up to me, and he gave me a quarter. And I thought, a quarter one? Why are you giving me a quarter? And he said, well, my dad said you were the sorriest, poorest preacher he ever heard. I said, okay. God has a way of keeping you humble, right? Proverbs 29, verse 1, a man who remains stiff-necked, a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. See, God is constantly rebuking us, changing us. Why? Because he doesn't like us? Of course not. He loves us, and he wants us to live better. Philippians 1 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he started a work in you. He's got an investment in you, and he wants you to be better, and he wants to continue. And so we need to hear reproof and rebuke. We need to hear that. And it says a wise man hears rebuke. So when somebody comes to you and wants to contribute something to your life, maybe led by the Lord. See, I like to believe that God is sovereign and he brings people into my life to help me be the man that he wants me to be. And sometimes that's hearing the hard stuff. And sometimes you have to just listen and then thank God that he's caring still for you and that he's sending people into your lives to be better. That's a mind change. Because we get defensive and we don't like it when somebody's rebuking us. 
Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, you should show him his fault. Just between the two of you. Don't gossip with everybody else, but show him his fault between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. James 5, 19 and 20. My brother, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So God tells us to rebuke. Actually, when somebody comes to you, you should love rebuke. You should welcome rebuke. It's all, almost like James chapter 1, verse 2. You know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, praise God, I'm having difficulties. Praise God, it's tough. Praise God that he cares for me and somebody's rebuking me. Man, we don't think that way. But we should. Lastly, and the lesson there is receive the rebuke of the wise. Receive the rebuke of the wise. And lastly, he says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the Advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So, number four, it is better not to take shortcuts. Maturity takes time. Usually God's working in your life takes time. Many times God brings us into difficulties and trouble because he's trying to work in our lives some area that needs to be better. Better is the end of a thing. Think about Jesus. You know, there's some wise people in the Bible, but think about Jesus. He was tempted by the devil, right? Out in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. And when you think about those temptations, what was the devil actually trying to do? All the things that he offered to Jesus were his anyway. You know, uh, uh, bow down to me and I'll give you everything. No, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything's his anyway. The devil was trying to get him to uh, jump 
God's plan. Just do it now. Don't worry about it. You'll get everything. No, he had to live on this earth. He had to train up his disciples. He had to go to the cross. He had to die there. He had to raise from the dead. So that was all in God's plan. But the devil says, no, don't worry about all that. Just do it now. I'll give it all to you. And you can have it now. And every time he responded with the word of God. See, God's working in you. And it's God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So he is working in you. And we have to let God get us through the process. We have to learn to wait on him and to say, yes, Lord, you're sovereign. Because the first thing we do when we fall into those trials isn't the first thing we do try to get out of it. Yeah, Lord, help me out of these difficulties. Instead, we should be training ourselves to say, Lord, I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to be still in you. And I'm going to wait for you to resolve it. I uh, bought a lawnmower once. How much time do I have here? Uh, I had a, I, I moved, when I moved back from Virginia, I bought, uh, I was on a hundred acre farm. And it was great for the kids, you know. Um, but I had to cut my grass. You know, and four acres of it was grass that I had to cut, and I didn't have a lawnmower. So a guy from our church had a a lawn care business, and this was way out in Moni, like 245 south on LaGrange, and uh, he would come out every week and cut my grass. I thought, that's great, but I felt bad, you know, he was coming all the way out there, but You know, why should I steal that blessing from him? It's blessed to give. (laughs) But uh, eventually, I saw in the newspaper, in um, I don't remember what it was, Trading Times or something like that, a lawnmower for sale, a riding lawnmower. So I said, oh, that $400. I thought, oh, that's pretty cheap. I'm going to buy the riding lawnmower. So as soon as I bought bought the riding lawnmower, he stopped cutting my grass. The first day I go out to start my riding lawnmower, it won't work. The engine was bad. I had to pay all kinds of money to get the engine fixed. And so the Lord was telling me, you know, you got to wait on me. You know, I'll provide. So it wasn't long afterwards I needed a car. And so, you know, whenever you need a car, you always got to get a new one. It's just the way it is, you know, you need a new one. So I had a friend that worked at Webb Chevrolet. He was the finance guy. So I went to Webb Chevrolet, 95th and Cicero, and he showed me a car. And he said, take it home with you and, uh, you know, uh, test drive it. So I took it home, and I prayed about it, and I remembered my lawnmower. And I went back to him the next day, and I said, you know, God told me not to buy the, the car. I prayed about it, and God said, don't buy the car. So he said, you're the first Christian that ever came in here who said they're going to go pray about it, and you didn't buy the car. Everybody else prays about it, and God tells them all to buy the car. So uh, I had a good name. A good name is better than great riches. So I left. I gave him the car back, and it wasn't three weeks later or four weeks later, a lady from our church was... um, she worked uh, Oracle, something with Oracle, selling software or something. And she had bought a new car, and she had a Honda Prelude. And she said, Pastor Bob, I want to give you my Prelude. 
and she gave me her car for free, for nothing. Told me, wait on the Lord. Be patient with the Lord. He will do it. He loves you. And it is better, it is better for you when you wait on the Lord. So from this passage, a good name is better. It's better to be reflective. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise. And it's better not to take shortcuts. Marco Rubio, I'm going to close here. Marco Rubio was speaking at CPAC. And uh, he got to talking about Ukraine. And I don't know how much you're keeping up on it, but as you watch Ukraine and what's going on, you notice that there are 80-year-old people, male and female, men and women, going to get weapons to fight. And Marco Rubio made the point that... Uh, uh, Freedom is valuable in that people will give their lives for freedom in their own country. And I started to think as Christians, what would we give our lives for? Do we believe enough in God and are we grateful enough from God to, for all that he's done for us, dying on that old rugged cross that we could have life. Are we grateful for that? Are we willing to live our lives better so that he gets the glory as a thank you to the Lord? He never promises us that life is going to be easy. But he does say, you know, many of Christians will die in Ukraine. Many Christians are dying around the world, but they're trying to live for God. What if this comes to America? There is no guarantee that this difficulty won't come to America. Would we be able to stand up as much? What if Christians are persecuted in America? Are we, are we in love with the Lord so much that we will stand for what's right, that we will think about our name as Christians and live for God? We don't really know how to live for God until we're ready to die for him. And so as we reflect on our lives, Lord, how, where is my life going? Am I living to honor your name? Am I trusting you to bring out your will in my life? Can I take a rebuke from my small group leader, from my fellow church member, from my pastor, because he's sent by God to help me to be better? Let's bow as we pray here. As you reflect on your life, do you need to do better? Maybe you're here today and you look at your own life and you say before the Lord, my, my life's not very good. That uh, I don't know if I died, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
maybe, maybe you need to first of all accept Christ as your Savior. He makes your life tremendously better. He transfers you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He gives you a better hope and a better future and he gives you a better love and a better life. Not easier, but better. He's come that we might have life and have it abundantly. We have the abundant life. So Father, by your Spirit, reprove us, correct us, instruct us, train us in righteousness. Lord, we as your people, we gather together to be encouraged and built up so when we go out into this world around us in desperate need of a Savior, we live better, that they will give honor and glory to your name. So, Lord, you know the heart of your people. Speak to us. Show us where we need to be better. Give us faith and courage and desire to be better. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and the Lord spoke to you about better, you don't have to talk to anybody necessarily, but I would invite you, you know, we ought to make the altar a place of holiness and a place of blessing and a place of joy and a, a place of spiritual growth. There shouldn't be anything wrong with coming down the altar and just kneeling at the altar and recommitting our life to the Lord to admit to God where we need to be better. And maybe, maybe God's spoken to you today about something. And maybe just as a testimony to the Lord, you just come down, kneel for a second, uh, a sentence or two to the Lord and say, Lord, in this area of my life, I want to be better. Amen. Let's all stand.